0: The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. And do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. Find it here every week on SEM Synergy. Join your host as we learn from the elite of search engine marketing pros and find the winning formula for exceptional search engine marketing. Get the latest news, trends, and analysis in SEO, PPC, branding, SEO design, and analytics. Now, welcome your host, a founding father of SEO and an accomplished search engine marketing scholar, the host of SEM Synergy, Bruce Clay.
1: Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on SEM Synergy. I'm your host, Bruce Clay. With me today are Susan in Virginia.
2: Good afternoon, everyone. Hello, good afternoon. You
1: can catch SEM Synergy every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, that's noon Pacific. You can also download it at any time from Webmaster Radio's Search Engine Optimization channel, stream it on SEMSynergy.com, or pick it up on iTunes. Our guest today is Jim Hedger, a fellow podcast host here at Webmaster Radio, For those of you who've been around, Jim has been doing a lot of interviews. He's with Webmaster Radio, like, forever, at least for a very, very long time. And Jim's going to talk to Virginia about his observations on the shifting search ecosystem this year. This year, we really saw a lot of changes. And, uh, you know, they're all over the place. I mean, the search space has changed a lot. Uh, as we use the Internet, accessing mobile devices in particular, uh, as that becomes more widespread, uh, we've seen a lot of questions come up on public access. And that's really what we're here talking about today. Uh, I think it's more important to understand what is public access. Uh, I think that uh, there's a lot of confusion about it. I'm certainly confused. Um Because I think I understand it, then I don't think I understand it, then I think I understand it, and then the FCC gets involved, and then nobody understands it, and then somebody might understand it. Um, So what's public access?
3: Well, specifically, um, the question of net neutrality comes to mind. That's something that the FCC has been debating this year, and um, both sides of the argument are are coming up in um, policies that are being proposed. And net neutrality, basically, the definition is that it's the principle that data on the internet should be moved impartially without regard to content, destination, or source. Right.
2: Um, And the opposite of that is the um, Internet Freedom Act that is uh, in the Senate, I believe, right now, um, John McCain's bill. And it's... Kind of exactly the, the opposite. It's the idea that the ISPs should be allowed to discriminate against certain traffic, throttle certain traffic, block certain traffic, based on their relationship with the content creator or the, the content itself or the customer. The user, yeah.
1: All right, so John McCain's bill basically says um, China can block Google. But they can let everybody else in.
2: Well, yes, for the United States.
1: For the United States. So
2: it would be, in this case, it would be like Time Warner can block a Google because Google didn't pay them $400 million. Or because the customer didn't buy the service pack that includes Google. They only bought the service pack that includes Yahoo. So they can't get the full internet anymore because they didn't pay the full price. They only paid for the Yahoo portion.
1: But it's not just price. I mean, it it could be. I'm going to discourage people from putting on something that is against my political or religious freedoms. Right, exactly. And I can discriminate any way I want because I am the carrier. You don't have to use me. I can do whatever I want. And I think that the net neutrality being the opposite is that I have a public obligation to provide access to all information and not to bias or control or throttle the information for my own personal gain.
3: Right, exactly. And also, it's interesting because in the European Union, they just made broadband or their thinking of making broadband uh, a, a right to citizens. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we so. talked
2: about that a couple of weeks ago. Right. And and yeah, it, the, the idea that broadband or at least internet access is now something that should be ubiquitous. It should just be like picking up the phone to dial 911. Even if you don't have service, you should be able to dial 911. You should always be able to have internet access. It should be a right. Which is... I mean, it, it's really kind of an an interesting shift. I don't even know what I think about
4: it.
1: In the beginning, before there really was broadband, I remember $1,000 AOL bills. I mean, so I'm all for free Internet. The thing is, I think, personally, that the determination has to be made somewhere as to whether I am a for-profit organization allowed to form partnerships and thereby throttle those I don't have the partnerships with. Okay. So if I'm an ISP and you're paying me money to promote your service faster than the competition and I accept that contract, theoretically I as the ISP, as a profit-making organization in a free commerce environment, should be allowed to Determine that that's something that is good for me. The flip side is that the Internet, being something that everybody can have access to, cannot be throttled, cannot be controlled. Everybody has to have access to anything that's on the Internet. If you're going to make it free for everybody, sure, I mean, all you have to do is physically wire your house. It can be at the street. Somebody's going to have to pay for all this bandwidth. Is it going to be the government?
3: I don't think it's going to be free ever. And I don't think even in the European Union that's really what the deal is. I think it's more just, like you know, like, I can't think of an example. Driving is, isn't really right. But you still, you know, are allowed to at a certain point if you're eligible, but you still have to pay for it.
2: Well, and we, honestly, it might come down to the government paying for something or at least paying for the infrastructure. I, I certainly don't go out and repair the road in front of my house. You know, this that's something that my taxes get paid for because that's part of the infrastructure that keeps America running. And you know what? Frankly, I'm perfectly happy to pay my taxes so that I don't have potholes in my street.
1: Well, I think... Okay, then the government is going to assume the responsibility for providing the Internet overhead?
2: Maybe. It's definitely a different space. Definitely a a different space. And, I I mean, it's just... I, I think the real implication here is that... There is no ability to ignore online, whether you're local or a big company or whatever. If you're Nike, you have to pay attention to it. If you're the shoe store on the corner that sells Nike shoes, you have to pay attention to it. I, I just think it, it really speaks strongly to how, much, how important our industry is going to be.
1: In yes, the upcoming. I agree.
3: All right, it's time for a quick break, but when we come back, I'll be joined by Jim Hedger. More SEM Synergy is on the way.
0: Don't go away. SEM Synergy will be right back.
5: Are you tired of standing around while everyone gets rich? Want to be an affiliate marketer that makes six figures online every month? Then let me introduce you to MediaBuysCoach.com. MediaByscoach.com, recently launched by Carl Fiorentino and Will Hamerl, will give you the tools and the knowledge that will make you money. They've been training affiliates for over five years now and are experts in their field. If you haven't been approved by a CPA network, then get approved through our own CPA network. If you're new to affiliate marketing or want to expand into other areas, let Carl and Will at MediaBuyesCoach.com give you the tools to begin and the knowledge to succeed. Sign up and start making money today at mediabyscoach.com That's MediaBysCoach.com
1: want to learn
2: the biggest asset to driving online success let me introduce you to my expert advisor pixel silk pixel silk is a robust content management system built on a foundation to create online marketing success it's the only content management system that offers keyword specific seo advice can integrate with your shopping cart system and offer multi-site management PixelSilk frees my time while making my company's website easy to manage and promote. Even better, PixelSilk has been embraced by the SEO community.
1: I'm Bruce Clay, and PixelSilk is the first CMS I have ever felt good about recommending.
2: With this winning combination, we have all the tools we need. Pixelsilk.com, the ultimate in SEO driven CMS.
0: use the power of local pages with over 5 billion searches per month and the largest database of paid search listings let local pages affiliate network personalize your account and give you the search tools and solutions you need become a local pages affiliate today with localpages.com saddle up with the search cowboys
2: tuesdays at 2 p.m. eastern
4: 11 a.m. pacific
0: or on demand anytime inside the international marketing channel only on (laughs) webmasterradio.fm Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. You're listening to SEM Synergy on WebmasterRadio.fm. Once again, here's Bruce Clay.
3: Welcome back to SEM Synergy. This is Virginia, and I'm joined by Jim Hedger, show host, producer, writer, and blogger at Webmaster Radio. And Jim is a very familiar voice on Webmaster Radio indeed, but this is the first time on SEM Synergy, so welcome to the show, Jim.
5: Well, thank you, Virginia. Thank you so much
3: it's the end of the year and that's always a time for looking back, reflecting and on, on the lessons that we can take with us in the future. And I, as a reporter in the space, you know, you get to see a lot of what's happening, a kind of like high level overview. And I thought, um, who better to talk to about what's happened this year than somebody who's who's listening to it and antennas up all the time. And one of the issues that, um, I know that you've written a lot about and even talked about on your show, webcology is net neutrality. And before the break, Uh, I was talking to Bruce about some of the different access control issues that we've been watching over the past year, Uh, even how the news industry is griping about Google stealing its content. And the White House is going to be reviewing the public access of these federally funded um, research uh, reports. So public access has been a pretty big story this year.
5: Um, What do
3: you think about it?
5: First of all, I think that the definition we're using of net neutrality is expanding really rapidly. And I'm not sure it really covers the, well, covers the, the, the topic it was meant to cover any longer. Um, as I see it, net neutrality is about having a free and open web um, where the gatekeepers, the so largest corporations, um, the, the ISPs or the, uh, the telco companies, can't erect barriers to information based on well, based on money, fees or competing services. In other words, the uh, pipes that run the Internet should be free and open without a hell of a lot of corporate regulation put on them. Recently, the FTC applied those standards to mobile communications as well, and we see both Google and AT&T acting a little bit out of character when it, when it comes to uh, net neutrality and, and the mobile world. Uh, with Google taking a step back from net neutrality and apparently AT&T moving towards net neutrality principles, we'll have to we'll have to watch that one in 2010 to see how it plays out. As for access to the internet globally, we see the Great Firewall of China being you know being erected even higher, and we see the democratic nation state of Australia emulating China, and I think that's that should be a big concern. A free society censoring the internet. As it comes into their into their country, that's um, when it comes to net neutrality. That's my biggest concern going into into 2010.
3: Hmm. And and this is something that we're going to have to be looking for going into 2010. Is that one of the big stories that's going to be on your radar? Are there any others um, co- going into next year?
5: Oh, I mean, this 2009 was a. Difficult year business-wise for, for most people in almost every sector, but the real story of 2009 was how handheld devices have changed the way that we relate to the Internet. I think that's the biggest thing I'm looking at moving into, into 2010, the, the serious rise of the mobile web. Um, it's, it's funny, we used to joke with Cindy Crumb that 2005, 2006, 2007, <laughs> and 2008 would be the rise of the, the year of, the, of mobile.
3: Yeah. In reality,
5: it was 2009, and we're really going to see that take hold in 2010. Um, so that's one thing I'm watching: how internet users relate to the medium to, to begin with. Another thing I'm really concerned about is well, and, and you mentioned it earlier, uh, Virginia, Google um, being accused by the professional news gathering organizations of basically stealing content and um, repurposing it and monetizing, it, taking revenues away from the from the news gathering organizations. I'm very concerned for news gathering organizations. I think they're looking at the wrong target. I think Google sends some traffic that they should be responsible for monetizing themselves. Um, I think the the the, the real newspapers and, and mainstream news gathering organizations should be looking at are things like Amazon.com, Craigslist, eBay, uh, places that are forming mar- websites that are forming marketplaces that used to be the role of the classified app section where the newspapers used to make the majority of their money. How the mainstream uh, news-gathering organizations, and we need them. I'm, I'm a citizen journalist, so um, I don't want to pan the efforts of citizen journalists, but the truth is there's a standard in the mainstream media, there's a standard at the New York Times and the Chicago Tribune, that as hard as us citizen journalists may try to, to keep up with or emulate, let's face it, I'm my own editor. I don't have an editor sitting above me. And so my readers get to, well see the unfiltered wisdom of Jim. And sometimes it's smart, and sometimes it's stupid. <laughs> and uh, having another layer, a sober second thought, between reporter and reader, I think I, I think it, it, it is, is very valuable. And I'm afraid of losing that.
3: I wouldn't want to see that go away either. But both of those stories, interestingly, have a kind of com- common theme in that they both really highlight... The way information consumption is changing and the need for mainstream organizations to adapt to that.
5: Well, the society as a whole is is consuming four terabytes of information a year. I mean, that's every library in the world times 10. Um, The information is coming out as fast and furious. It's up to the individual to have their own filters up to, you know, be media literate, to be Internet literate. Um, help! It's up to the individual these days to be literate to begin with, and um, mm-hmm. those who pursue media literacy, who learn to read between the lines, who learn to suss out the real story uh, amongst all these signals that are coming in at exactly the same time. I think uh, I think they'll flourish in the new media, and those who just parrot what other bloggers write, well, you know, we've we've we have a history of uh, bloggers sort of fading out of the space and. Um, I'm pretty sure that's the fate of most parrots.
3: Um, when you you talk about the importance of needing to you know, determine the value of different kinds of media that we, we uh, come across in, in our daily lives to be media literate, um, the real-time search has really highlighted that as well. You know, if you look at something like the Chris Henry story and um, how we have to be aware that with real-time search and real-time content um, that that that's definitely an issue that we're going to be dealing with and it was one of the big stories that came out of SES Chicago which you covered quite in depth Um, was that do you think the big one of the big stories at the end of the year December has been full of big stories there's also Google's push for speed things like that
5: well i think uh, I think we saw that experiment at Google with real time search and and by the way that that experiment persists i uh I saw a Twitter one box in Google yesterday doing a search um but we we also know that Google seems to be pulling back on using using a straight twitter feed uh to to promote real time search um I could you could you imagine like being in that cuts office the day? that uh, it was, uh, what, two somebody was
3: like let's just put twitter in the search results
5: yeah let's flip the switch right now don't tell matt could you imagine the look on matt's face when uh when he realized how easily manipulatable this was um yeah. i was i was sitting for breakfast that day with two fairly notorious um black hats in the industry i was sitting in chicago enjoying a breakfast with these two and um we were laughing our asses off over this. I'm, you know, I'm the, I'm the, 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 I was the token white hat at the table going, oh, you guys are going to have a field day with this, aren't you? <laughs> so we saw them pull back. We saw them uh, wisely pull back. Like, We kind of have a, 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 a problem in information retrieval right now. The public wants it like yesterday. They want it immediately. They want it the moment it happens. But at the same time, there's, uh, you have to verify that information. You have to make sure it's the most relevant information for the query. And if it moves far too quickly, it's difficult to, uh, to match query with relevant information. Of all of them, Google's by f- doing by far the best job. Um, you, I'm, we're seeing relevant search results populate the, the, the SERPs in hours. I remember when, it, when I started, it would take up to a month to get your website noted by the SERPs in, in the search engine result pages. Um, now I see it happening in hours, um, and that's a technological triumph for, for Google and, and for Bing.
3: Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see where the search engines take real time going forward. Um, While well, I've got you here, you've kind of got a an in on Webmaster Radio since... Not only are you a show host, you do a little bit of everything there. Do you have any sneak peeks that you can give us for Webmaster Radio in 2010? I've gotten some hints that some big things are on the horizon.
5: One thing I can say straight out, you, you all saw what we were doing in Chicago. Instead of our traditional webmasterradio.fm booth, we had video. We're expanding our coverage of conferences, and we're going to be covering conferences in kind of a new way. We're going to be doing video interviews, uh, like a regular newscast. That's very so, exciting. Yeah. There's other uh, exciting stuff, too. We have some new shows coming up with some great hosts. One that I can announce, because it's, it's settled final, going to happen. Actually, two that I can announce. Settled final, going to happen. The return of Good ROI, Greg Nyland and Frank Watson. Oh, awesome. And the emergence of AirDesa. Oh, wow. And if anyone has ever listened to uh, Greg or Frank talking, uh, these two are brilliant web marketers it's 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 great having greg coming back to our airwaves we're really 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 pleased about that
3: that is all fantastic news jim thank you um you can contact jim on twitter jim hedger and you can listen in to webcology when is that air
5: it airs live thursdays 2 p.m eastern 11 a.m pacific or you can listen to webcology at itunes or on itunes radio or in the archives of webmasterradio.fm
3: thank you for coming on the show
5: thank you so much virginia it was fun
3: Uh, After the break, we're going to continue our stroll down the memory search lane of 2009. SEM Synergy will be right back.
0: Don't go away. SEM Synergy will be right back. Are you happy with your landing page performance? Discover how to improve your landing page performance with ConversionCredit.com, brought to you by Engine Ready. Turn your underperforming landing pages into cost-effective sales-producing machines. Get more traffic-maximizing details now at friendfinder.com. Ready to learn to be a mass marketing mastermind? Take some notes from the godfathers of mass distribution. Inbox Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel only on webmasterradio.fm. search engine marketing formulated for web 2.0 you're listening to sem synergy on webmasterradio.fm once again here's bruce clay
2: Welcome back to SEM Synergy. I'm Susan Esparza, here with Virginia Nussie and Michael Terry. And before the break, Virginia talked to Jim Hedger, an industry reporter at Webmaster Radio, about some of the stories that sh- and news that shaped 2009. Now we thought we'd take a look back at the year in search to share what we th- see as the defining moments of the year. And it's a little more than search, obviously. It's, it's industry news and things like that. And when we were talking about this before, I was saying that, to me, the big thing is, is using Twitter as a community builder, as an engagement thing, more than customer service, but in an actual outreach and dialogue kind of way. And and I think that that's been my favorite thing that I've seen, the big brands getting into that.
3: For sure. I think we could almost call this year, like, the year of brand dialogue.
2: Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite examples is really the way that the networks have started to use Twitter, you know, Castle is one of my favorite shows. My favorite show, as anyone who follows my Twitter knows. <laughs> but one of my favorite shows. And over the summer, while they were on break, they created a Writer Castle Twitter. And all summer long, we were getting tweets from Castle and his daughter, and whatever people popped onto his Twitter. And they actually told a little storyline of what was happening on his summer vacation, and he went and investigated stuff, and they took pictures and put it on TwitPic. And it was this whole engaging mystery that you only got if you were following them on Twitter. And so then it led up to the season premiere, and when he came back, he made some offhanded reference to this thing that he'd been doing over the summer, and then rolled right into the show.
3: How cool is that if you've been following? You're like...
2: You're like, I know, I know, I was there... And it was a really great way for them to promote the book that they wrote that went along with it, which is. I don't even know who really wrote it because it's published under Castle. But, you know, he's been talking about writing this book the first season, and then in the second season, the books come out, and you can actually go and buy the real book. And they've done all this promotion on Twitter, and people. And he responds to people, you know, you can answer questions and offer suggestions and things like that. And it, it's just really interesting. The way that that they're using that other communication, that other outlet to build the storyline. You know, it, it's not TV; isn't just TV anymore. TV exists, you know, or the story exists on so many other planes.
4: That's a really good example
3: okay so my favorite story of this year I think is kind of the way that the year of mobile has finally come to fruition after so many year of the mobile it's actually like the year that mobile finally became undeniably a channel that people are connecting to and using every day to get online and
1: yeah
2: yeah absolutely I mean the just the advance in browsers on on your mobile devices the fact that so many more people have smartphones. Mm-hmm. And I mean, really, even a great example of it is the current at and and Verizon wars that they're having, where data is so important that they keep hawking their 3G networks and how great one is over the other for whatever reason. And that's entirely because of the smartphones, because if it was only about making phone calls, you don't need a blinding fast, I can download anything in 10 seconds network.
4: Sure and uh, actually that's the funny thing about people complaining on the iPhone it like doesn't have great call quality or you know you might drop some calls and stuff that, like that but you know it's just only ancillarily is it a phone for me anymore now yeah. all I care about is being on the, the data network and I, you know I want to pull up Yelp and, and open up the monocle view and see if there's any restaurants <laughs> just move it around with my my heads up display and see if there's a good restaurant in the area or yeah. you know I want to find directions. And using Google Maps, and I think that's a big change that uh, everybody having a smartphone is bringing to the world of search, because now you have context-oriented searches, which is huge. I mean, your search depends on your location, and because GPS is so good, and because, of course, a new version of iPhone has GPS, and of course, droids have GPS, um, location-based search is where it's going to be at more yeah. and more.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Google's got the goggles coming out and search right. by location for certain apps on depending on your your device. But
2: yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 amazing how important search and how important internet browsing is now to mobile. Right? It's you don't have your mobile phone to make phone calls. It's exactly what you said. My mobile plan is like unlimited data, unlimited text messaging, and the lowest number right. of minutes I could possibly get them to give me. <laughs> right, exactly. It's, I think it's 300, and I, I use maybe 50.
4: <laughs> sure, sure,
2: So it, the, the matchup is just insane.
4: Of course, with Google Phone and, and Skype, you pretty soon you'll be able to make all your cell phone calls for free anyway. So.
2: Okay, so that was Virginia's favorite story. What's your favorite story, Michael?
4: Um, I guess my favorite story was... Uh, the Google real-time search results coming out. Mm -hmm. Um, For one thing, it introduced me to the joys of Twitter, which uh, I've been resisting for a long time (laughs) and continue to resist. But I finally got something useful out of the Twitter phenomenon um, because, I mean, I'm a big football fan. And, of course, with the the incident with Chris Henry that eventually led to his his fatal accident, um, you know, I hear about it from word of mouth, and then, you know, instantly I'm searching on Google to try to get the latest news. And uh, there is no news, and the best news available, which is actually pretty terrible, but the best news available was the, um, you know, the the real-time Twitter feed inside the Google results.
2: Yeah, yeah. And we talked a little bit about that last week, and, and you made an interesting comment about the the way that media is changing, and, and that that is the you know, that it's almost about speed over accuracy. Right,
4: right. And the more the technology changes to where we can get information the, to closer to the event, <laughs> the worse the information obviously gets. But that doesn't stop us from wanting whatever tidbits we can get and using our own brains to to um, filter out what we think is a, a, an authority yeah. for the news, right? You so, know what
2: amazes me? Is that TMZ <laughs> is like the best source for any kind of celebrity, celebrity related information that amazes me. It's not any of the old school you know networks. It's not it's it's not Twitter or any of the gossip blogs that are unvetted. It's TMZ which is a gossip blog who has fact checkers.
4: Sure, but I mean it's TMZ because that's it's that's its niche and you can apply that to a whole range, yeah. of, you know, TechCrunch for technology or what have you. Um I think that that's really key is that it's no longer about
2: the New York Times. It's about TMZ. It's about TechCrunch. It's about all of these niche sites who have the connections to get the exactly. answers. Exactly. Super fast, super accurate, and you can actually trust
4: it. Their networks are interwoven precisely into the domains that they need to get the information for that niche. And yeah. it turns out that that matters. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Okay. So lots of changes happening in 2009, but we're all out of time for this week. Thanks to our guest, Jim Hedger, and thanks to Webmaster Radio for producing the show Check out scm for more on this week's guest and topics or follow us on Twitter at SEM Synergy. If you have internet marketing questions or if there's anything you want to hear about, email SEMSynergy at BruceClay.com. And come back next week in the new year for more industry info and experts. Happy New Year from everyone at Bruce Clay Inc. Thanks for joining us on SEM Synergy.